What's up, All About Like You? It's your co-hosts, Eileen and Esther. We're good friends who don't have much in common. Except our plans to have more fuck yes moments in our lives. Let's do this, boo. Yeah. Special day at I'm Not Like You. We have guests. So many guests. We have so many guests. Okay, so for the longest time, we have been talking about bringing our husbands onto the podcast. And so tonight, it's Saturday night, and we are having a date with our husbands on the podcast. We are having a date with our husbands on the podcast. Hello, Nitsan. Hello, Hello, Simon. Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello, Nitsan. Hello, Simon. (laughs) It's great to be here, finally. (laughs) You finally got the invite. Everyone everyone knows from our socials that Simon has taken over as editor of, as producer and editor of this podcast as he makes fun of us when he listens to our nonsense while he's forced to edit us. But now he is here as a co-host today. Yeah, I get to contribute the nonsense instead. That's right. (laughs) So now tell us, Simon, like, what do you actually really think of the podcast? I think it's incredibly insightful. (laughs) Incredibly insightful. And very enjoyable, <laughs> light-hearted entertainment, funny, smart. <laughs> All right, cool. Good answer. Well, so not only do we have our husbands, which is so fun, um, we also have special guests. My very good friends, Alana and Matt, the owners, winemakers of Tribeca Wine Collective. Which, if you're also following my socials, my multiple socials, I think I have four now. Um, you see posted a lot because their wine is one of my favorite, and as Esther knows. I'm a big wine snob, and every time we go to dinner together, or lunch together for that matter, she makes me order the wine. And so we thought that it would be really fun to have a triple date and have Alana and Matt join us and do like a whole episode about my favorite subject, wine. It is your favorite subject. And you are great great at picking out wine. So I can't wait to see what we learn when we listen to the four of you. If I'm not talking about breathing or crystals or some <laughs> other recent learnings I've had on TikTok uh, or certification I've gotten, I would like to talk about wine. So this well, is Matt, Matt and Alana, I will tell you this will um, probably be a lovely break for me not having to listen to her talk about breathing or crystals. So <laughs> <laughs> let's we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, okay, so we have a very fun episode teed up, and we're gonna start with. A little wine tasting to get us in the mood. Um, apparently, Esther and Nissan just got back from a ski holiday, so they're drinking water and detoxing on Long Island. In Austin, though, things are going to get lit, so it's pretty. Yeah, it sounds like a movie. Sounds in like Austin, a movie. Things are detoxing on Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> Thriller. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with a little wine tasting. We're going to talk a little bit about their experience as winemakers and building. Um, a wine business and a wine brand. We're going to talk about the myths of natural wine for like a minute, maybe not because Matt doesn't seem to like that subject. (laughs) Um, And then we're going to talk about this whole like movement that's happening that uh, about sober curiosity and like wine being bad for you and all these things, because as great lovers of wine, we want to know like how it fits into healthy lifestyles. And Alana in particular has lots of thoughts on that. So that is the plan for the pot. We good? good. All right. Amazing. Let's do it. 
Okay, so let's start by opening some wine. Perfect. What are you in the mood for? Some white or some red, everyone? I think we have to start with yeah, white, we'll start right? With white. Yes. I can do whatever you want. There's no right. rules. Let's, there's no rules. There's no rules. No rules. I was going to ask. Should you start with white? No rules. No oh. one drinking. I mean, you can start with white or red. It doesn't matter. But normally, you'd, if you're doing a tasting, you start with the lightest and go to the darkest. Okay. But That's good to know. You know? We like that. You can do one white, one glass wine, one glass red, and then go back to white or reserve. Mm-hmm. Okay. More. So you open the wine because okay. we're getting thirsty. <laughs> and then, Alana, why don't you tell us a little bit about Tribeca and building a wine business and all the magic yes. in that world? Well, um, Matt was a photographer a long time ago in his 20s, traveling all over the world, and it really inspired him just wanting to be a part of the wine industry. Um and, you know, he was tasting all the best wines in the world and had a really um, intimate and positive experience at a very young age. And so this is kind of a lifelong dream realized for him to be making wine. Um, and both of us with our backgrounds in marketing, um, when we got together, we thought, wouldn't it be fun to create a wine brand together because we know how to market it. And now wine brands are doing better at that. But even five years ago, I mean... It was either like a really poor wine being very well marketed or a very fine wine being very poorly marketed. And so we wanted to marry the two and make a beautiful wine that was well marketed. Um, that was also representative of our story and our roots and like, and meant something to us personally. Um, because Matt has a lot of wine projects going on. Um, but this was kind of like, this is our family project. Um, and so, yeah, it's been really fun. We just got connected to the right people in the region that we loved, Paso Robles. Um, and Matt learned everything he knew from a dear friend of ours and um, who's a, a consulting winemaker on another project. And here we are five years later. Sharing in that wine. Yeah, this is our second, well, our third vintage, but our first vintage was just uh, one varietal. So this is really our second vintage in terms of having a full line. So I feel like there's a lot of things there. I, Esther, I want you to ask some questions about things that like as a non-wine snob, like when, when you hear vintage, like all these things, like what, what you want to, like what kind of questions come up? I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Why don't you tell us, because this is what I do when I order wine. If I'm with Eileen, I don't even open the menu. Although anyone who's going out to dinner with Eileen, buyer beware. When you do not, <laughs> like, one time she ordered a $250 bottle of wine. I was like, miss, I could drink wine from CVS. Like, I do not need it. <laughs> you have to be very careful if you dine with Eileen. Put a lot of caution. But if I'm with Eileen or, or a friend or Nitsan who's far better, I'm more knowledgeable than I, then I just defer to somebody else. But for people who don't know, where do we begin? Like, if I'm looking at a menu, where do I start? So many choices. Um, I think best way to start is what varietal you like. If you can, if it tells a varietal, it could be a you know a French wine that tells a region, and you don't know what varietal necessarily it is unless you really know the French wine or a region too. Like if yeah. you don't know varietals, or you're or you're open to trying something new, you might be you might know. Oh, I love Provence Rosé, or I love a California Cab. You, you know, a region might also help you kind of. Yeah, and then, you know, region price point. What do you want to drink? You know, normally. The cheapest bottle of wine is marked up almost the most. So a lot of time, but it's usually the least quality. So you and the, the most expensive one is usually marked up pretty much the least amount. Mm. So you kind of want to do sort of middle of the road. So then you're getting kind of, you know, for bang for your buck, so to speak. And that then, 
you know, that you can get some, and then if you know, like kind of middle to lower part of the um, list, you find stuff that, you know, that is like, you can get a good quality mm. and not necessarily have to spend that much. You know, you can, you know, that's another way to look at it. Like if you have some really, really nice French wines that, you know, normally aren't that expensive. So on the list, they might only be 60, 70 bucks, but you know, and then there's $200 wine, but that might actually be better than some of the higher price ones. Mm. You know, so it really depends what you like to drink and what you want to spend. So if you don't know what to drink, which I think is probably a lot of people out there, like my go-to, I would say like go to French. But what would you say? I I agree, French or, or um, French, Italian, Spanish is like kind of I would actually go to if I'm buying it in a store. Like <laughs> if you want to bang for the buck, like you can get like a thirty dollar Spanish wine, which is going to be as good as some you know sixty seventy dollar you know mm. wines. You know, it's, I think Spanish wine is always a good place to start also, you know, because it's just so many different it's varietals value. and yeah. value and quality. And, you know, it's just, they actually make really good wine. Mm. For, the, for if you want to spend under like a yeah. certain $30, $20, Spanish wine is probably some of the best. Okay. So French, Italian, Spanish, or the, is that? Spanish? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, American wine, the, the great thing is because it doesn't, it's just, it travels the least, Yeah. you know, so it's kind of more local, mm. you know. So that takes in effect that, you know, you're not shipping it on the sea, you know, in a boat and all yeah. this stuff. So it's it's a little bit better, but American wines would be more high priced because the land that they're growing it in is, is mm. more expensive. Right. So it costs more to me. Yeah. I also think it's really interesting, like depending on which region you live in, right? Like if you live on the East Coast, you're probably going to go French or Italian. If you live in California, you're drinking California, you're drinking California yeah. wine. I mean, right. 75% of the time, like... I, you know, being from California myself, I always go to a California wine. Yeah. Um, and when I'm in New York, yeah, I'll go to an Italian or a French mm -hmm. wine. I mean, usually it's priced better in New York too, mm -hmm. um, oddly enough. But, um, but I mean, there are so many incredible California wines. And of course, now knowing what we know, yeah. I'm always looking for the smallest batch producer I can find yeah. on a menu. Okay. So we, we're going to go back to small batch. Yeah. Okay. We have our glass of wine. Yes. Yeah. So what are you supposed to do with it once you once it gets poured? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know there's the yeah i mean is, is the swell necessary the swirl, um yeah. yes and no it really you know what it does is helps um add some of the wine to the side of the glass mm -hmm. and then it, it helps bring the aromatics up mm -hmm. it's really for smelling it and it's for smelling it so if you smell the wine and it smells bad then you know it's either corked or something wrong is that it. why you smell wine to see if it's not if it's corked to begin with you smell yeah. it you know kind of that's why the one they normally pour you a small amount of wine you can Kind of roll it around and then you kind of you're doing a smell to see if the wine's good or not mm. um and then you know okay it's not cork i don't smell any like wet dog or anything like that um so then you take a taste and you kind of swish it around in your mouth a little bit to get all the taste buds and then you know as, it depends how, what you're tasting for you know mm. if we're tasting the blend something we're tasting totally different than as kind of when you're trying to sure Try to see also intricacies. like Matt can taste and smell corked wine from a mile away. <laughs> I can I cannot. So if I'm in a restaurant and someone pours me a taste, I'm not gonna go and smell it or check for it. I'm just I'm gonna taste it and make sure that I like the way that it's not awful. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna put my glass down and have a pour. So I think it also depends on your expertise and your level of like how picky you are right mm -hmm. if you're like a fine wine connoisseur then obviously you're going to want to swirl it take a little taste yeah i think we're talking to like the everyday wine yeah. drinker yeah. i mean i don't know we might have some connoisseurs who are listeners well it's always good to yeah, smell, I mean, smell 
<laughs> you only get better. You only get better with smelling, and smelling sometimes helps mm-hmm. you taste. You know, mm. match up also. You know, mm-hmm. hold your nose and drink. Your taste doesn't won't taste the same. Like you know, when you have a cold yeah. and you drink yeah. something, it you tastes totally taste off. It. Yeah. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. when you smelling is part of the taste. Well, and that's why I like to smell it. When I'm smelling the wine, it's not to check it. It's just because I enjoy how does it smell. Yeah. And it helps it's me. So it, it, it elevates the tasting experience for me. Yeah. I just yeah. tried it. Yeah. Yeah. It does make a huge difference. Yeah. If you plug your nose. Yeah. That's well, I think wine also, when you're serving it at home, also the temperature is a big, big thing. Mm. You know, I think people are like, I want my white as cold as possible, but you know, you know, when it's wine, especially white wine, it's really cold. You don't, you can't taste the no, nuances. Yeah. It's all tight. So what mm. you want to do with white wine is usually take it out of the refrigerator 10 minutes before mm. you want to drink it. And normally red, you want to put it in the refrigerator 10 minutes mm. before you want to drink it. Cause same thing with reds, if it's too warm, it, it just, you don't really taste. It's kind of flat. Yeah. It's really flabby and flat and it's just like, ugh. and then you put it in and chills down a little bit mm. and you're like, wow, this tastes great. Or if it's, even if it's too cold, let the, you know, if you're taking your reds out of your wine fridge, let it, kind of you know warm up a little bit like 10 minutes before mm. you drink it or open the cork and then let it kind of come yeah i feel like i've gone into more chilled reds mm-hmm. yeah i need my red chili well we have one coming out in uh Chilled Wild Renache coming yeah. to you Ooh. fall of 2024 no, something so spring. 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 what do you think about all this I tend to lean to the California Cabernets when I we liked we knew we liked you like those two <laughs> and when I'm having a steak, I go I actually go Italian. I, I like my uh, if I, if I'm really feeling frisky, I get a Brunello. Um, nice, my frisky. That's nice. One of my favorites. I like my dry reds. I get the what's the one with the chicken on it? That's the DOC cheese. That's the DOC cheese. DOC cheese. Classico. It's the one with the black chicken on it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's like usually the be- the better the best Italian. You know, Oh, they're excellent. Time. We learned a little bit about wine in 2011 in Italy, and I've carried that with me since to sound like I understand what I'm talking about, but that's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you some more tips tonight. Yeah. I'm um, learning a lot. I'm taking notes. <laughs> so I feel like you brought up a good point, though, too, Nitsan, which I feel like is a question that people often have, and I, I would love your perspective on like the pairing between food and wine. I feel like people make a big deal out of, but mm-hmm. like so what I feel like we've learned in our wine journey journey yeah. is that like drink what you like with what mm-hmm. you like and like don't make it a whole thing. But there's obviously a whole world of like wine pairing food. So like what's the what's your vibe? I'm on kind that? of your vibe. It's like drink what you like and yeah. you know white with meat and drink reds with fish. Like I don't think it really matters. Mm-hmm. I mean. I don't know, like, you know, it really kind of depends on the wine too. Like you're drinking something that has a lot of texture and the wine might overpower the food a little bit too much. Oh, mm-hmm. like for example, our Gruner is medium bodied. It has a lot of yeah. body. Um, and there's What does that mean? Tell us what body means. Body means like there's mouth feel. Like if yeah. you think of, I mean, Matt hates when I say this, but <clears throat> it's not like Chardonnay, but like if you think of a Chardonnay, it has a little oak on it, it has a bit more mouth feel. This does not taste like a buttery oaky shard at all. But the point is, is it has more structure and it can really handle. I mean, I love our Gruner with a roast during the holidays. Mm-hmm. I love our Gruner with a big fat steak because the acidity really cuts through the fat. Mm-hmm. Um, That's I why actually, they're starting to rub. That's why the Brunellos usually, I like prefer Brunellos or something with acid with steak rather right. than a Napa calf because for me, you know, the calves usually in California are really acidic. So Exactly. And like our cab, our cab is 
phenomenal. And I say that with like complete unbiased because <laughs> I taste the wine he makes. I don't think of it as our wine. I think of it as the wine he makes and what are, what are my friends and I going to think about it? You yeah. know, or the people I'm selling it to going to think about sure. it. And so when I say it's phenomenal, I mean it, but I would never drink our cab with a steak. It's too rich. It requires like a dark, dark, dark chocolate. Mm. Or, or, or on its own, or, on its own <laughs> or with a little charcuterie or something, but it's not. So anyway, to answer my answer to your question mm. is, I think there is something to it, right? Like you don't want to have a rosé with red sauce pasta. Yeah, um, right. <clears throat> like there's some like using a little bit of intuition there, mm. but I absolutely do think, I remember in Greece, they were freaking out. Remember when we would order um, red wine with our fish dishes? <laughs> they did not like that. <laughs> But um, I think to some extent, like you, you just drink what you like with the food that yeah. you like, and it works out. Unless it's like obvious that it would oppose, you know, right. the tastes would oppose each other. Yeah. I think wine should be able to, a good wine should be able to drink on its own, and a good food yeah. should be able to drink by, okay. eat by yeah. itself too. Yeah, you don't need anything. So, how many years did it? How long did it take you to learn about wine before you started your business? His whole life. I'm gonna whole life. <laughs> Well, not learning, not learning wine, like <laughs> drinking wine. I think, you know, yeah. where I started drinking, I guess, really kind of when I was 17, 18. Kind of started with actually champagne drinking. In France on a Chanel shoot, life was really rough. <laughs> with hot models? Yeah. Um, yeah, something. <laughs> <laughs> we. We. <laughs> you know, so I think it's like drinking wine all over the world definitely helps to, to elevate your palate at least yeah. a little bit, you know. But the thing is, when we started making wine in California, I rarely drank California wine, like maybe one bottle a year. Because living in New York, you know, European wine is just yeah. affordable and it's just, it's everywhere. It's hard to find California wine. Yeah. So when we decided to make wine and, and going through the process, I actually stopped drinking all European wine and only started drinking California wine. Just for R&D. Yeah, because yeah, you got to change your palate. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're not going to get the acidity. You're not, it's like the... The grape varietals might be the same, but they taste totally different because of the soils and climate and, and, and whatnot. And California is awesome because you can grow pretty much everything there and mm. very well. Yeah. You know, like every type of grape you mean? Almost. You know, yeah. Maybe not some indigenous ones that are like very small varietals. Yeah. It's just For the record, you turn me on very much when you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting hot over here. Okay. So speaking of California wine, this is, I think, really interesting because when Simon and I lived in LA, we really got into California wine and more specifically the Central Coast. And where you guys are producing is Paso Robles, which is in the Central Coast. Yes. And that's probably like a lesser known uh, wine producing producing <laughs> region for people who don't know wine. But like if we're drinking California wine, all we're drinking is Central Coast, which means we're not drinking Napa or Sonoma. And I feel like when most people think about mm -hmm. California wine, mm -hmm. they're thinking about Napa and Sonoma, mm -hmm. which is like mass produced it's expensive there's still some good stuff going on there right yeah, but i think like top quality wines but they make a certain style and a certain wine exactly and, you know and you kind of like in a that, napa cab is a napa cab yeah. a napa cab right or a, or a shark Napa only makes about i think three percent of all the wine in california it actually makes a very small but amount. it's like the most marketed right yeah well it's, it's like also the, the most expensive and prestigious yeah. so. right but I think like one of the things that our listeners should be thinking about is like when you're going to buy wine, Central Coast has some really mm -hmm. interesting producers and it's much more affordable. And like it's a lot of the boutique winemakers and like, I don't know, I feel like it should be more like trending because like, mm -hmm. and, and it is right. I mean, 
since we've started making wine there, Paso Robles has very much turned into the cool kid. Yeah. And now Paso is where the young hot winemakers are. It's yeah. and, and they're they've been making wine for. I mean, our consulting, you know, the guy who's consulting yeah. on our on our other project, already. he's been making wine seventeen years, and he's younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's young mm-hmm. and he's up and coming, but like he's very well esteemed in the area and. And I think that's cool. I think that what's cool about Paso and Santa Barbara yeah. is that there are lots of young winemakers doing really cool things and breaking the mold. They're not going super out of the box, but they're right. doing different things. You know, like our Gruner is a much different expression than you would buy in New York in a one-liter bottle. This particular Gruner, you know, yeah. next year's Gruner might be different. Right. Um, but we have that flexibility because we're not mass-scale retail, right. and Ralph's isn't expecting our Gruner to taste like yeah. this. Yeah. It's yeah. like we can make it however we want because yeah. we're mostly direct to consumer, and that's the way we like it. Yeah, because yeah. like the bigger wineries that you see in the supermarket, they're making wine by formula. Yeah. <laughs> like when you go in and you taste the Napa Cab or whatever, that it's there every year. People that buy it expect it to taste the same every year. So yeah. they're really kind of using the chemistry as their guide to make the wine rather than the actual. Art. Yeah, which is like what the you're getting. and the weather, yeah, right? The expression yeah. of what the nature and the fruit right, and nature, the yeah. climate and the soil and yeah, the winemaker yeah. have, you know, decided to express. Yeah. Which is harder and harder to do that. It's weird. Harder to do it that way because everything, every, the past three years has just been the craziest three years. Right. Just you have one year where it was first of all you have the the smoke the, the fires, fires in Napa yeah. and the smoke team and all that stuff going yeah. on and pretty much all everywhere except in Santa some Barbara. parts of Paso and Santa Barbara and then the next year you have extreme two heat waves so you pull it up for two, a month and a half before you normally and then last mm. year was a month and a half later than you normally would mm. so you know it's hard like to make it taste the same every year is actually yeah. harder to do than to make yeah. it taste different every year yeah so winemaking is tough. Yeah, I mean, the farming's tough. Winemaking is easy. Yeah. You know, because they're the yeah. ones that, that have the hard job. Making wine from good grapes is actually easy. Just try not, don't do too much. Well, if you know what you're yeah. doing, it's easy. Well, I'm just saying it's easier than trying to make great wine from shitty grapes, which is, that's very difficult. Yeah, right. Yeah. Making great wine from great grapes is. Yeah, we know, have incredible fruit on the Central Coast. I mean, it's some of the most beautiful fruit in the country, and if not the world. Is that what makes Paso special? The fruit selection and I've already finished mine first I think we get the question I think Central Coast is, is wine price is amazing because it's not the fruit cost it goes back to fruit cost again it's not and land cost well land fruit all adds up to the right. same thing it's a lot less expensive than Napa. Well, that said, it's actually going up every year, obviously. Right. So it's it's still not Napa prices, you know, right. but you still can get great fruit for a really good price. And so yeah. you can make a great wine that's not going to be $80, $100. Right. You know? right. So, which is why, like, our cab, which is a $100 cab, we, it's, we price it at 56 because we don't pay the $100 fruit prices that we would in Napa. But it's, I think, just as good as Napa, if yeah. not better. better. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. So I am interested back in back to the kind of uh, the original part of your story when you started out. You've made a decision to start your own wine. You know where you want to do it. Like then what? Like how do you know where to start as a winemaker? Like you know, was there a bottle in mind you wanted to start with? Like I I want to make a cab, and I and that's where I want to go. Like how 
Well, I got to back up too because we started actually with another higher end project when we got into the wine um, making part of it, mm-hmm. and um, we we knew what project we wanted. We want to make a high end wine that goes into this kind of custom molded oh, yeah. bottle. So we went out and we, we got connected with the winemaker, kind of fit the bill that we wanted to do. And then with him, we decided to make, get grapes from um, Happy Canyon in Santa Barbara, which is like the best place mm. to get Bordeaux varietals in the Central Coast, yeah. like prestigious. So I started working, you know, in the cellar with him for two years while we were working on the first two vintages and kind of, you know, putting in, you know, 16 hour days. And that's how I kind of learned winemaking by actually just doing it, and, you know, seeing everything. And then we kind of, um got into actually the tribeca brand by by being out there making wine and then um we were able a friend of ours makes these has a, a, a line of just making interesting whites and then she came one day she makes it at the same place we were made at, at the same winery and she's like hey we got we have some gruner i have some gruner available do you want some and being in new york from new york <coughs> tribeca yeah Gruner is like our water. You know, the Hamptons have the uh, rosé as their water. Mm-hmm. Tribeccans have Gruner as their water. That's our water. Who knew that? So basically, that's how it kind of, kind of started. I so he's like, hell yeah, I want the Gruner. We have to make a brand to support this Gruner. Yeah. And so let's Tribeca is born. And this was during COVID. So it was like, how do we create a brand that brings people together again? So we had this whole idea of like, this wine is really inspired by our roots, by Tribeca, right? So Leonard Street Gruner Vetliner is literally an ode to Tribeca, Matt's Tribeca roots, Matt's father, Leonard, who passed away several it's years a, ago. It's a street, it's a street, yeah, yeah. It's a street yeah. in Tribeca. And it's Gruner, which we drank in Tribeca. I mean, he, way before I did, but after I met him, you know, falling in love on the streets of Tribeca, I'm getting super buzzed off of one liters of Gruner <laughs> and hopping all around the city. Um, you know, so... That's kind of how Tribeca specifically came into play. Um, but I mean, the the one bottle I think is, <clears throat> that goes back to the first question is for me. I think is a Brunello. Like a um, Brunello was for me was not the first one that I had that was like, holy cow! Like, mm-hmm. what is this? You know. So I think for me, Brunello is always really like in my heart. Your eyes inspired. Yeah, you. it was, it was a, a Banffy. I think it was like an '89 Brunello de Montalcino. Nissan, you got to go out and find yeah. that one. I, I think I've had it. I've tried a lot of Brunellos, and <laughs> they don't—they don't miss. Brunellos are phenomenal wines. I agree. Yeah. And then you got to drink them. You got to wait ten years. Is the problem usually? You know, I mean, you can drink them now, but if the, you know, they just have so much acid and tannins that you, the longer it goes, the better it better it gets. You know, mm-hmm. that's why you know European wines age better because it has the tannins and acid. Yeah. You know, California wines are great, but they don't age as long. Right. You know? Right. Right, you got to drink them, which is what we're going to do tonight. Okay, so last question. One of the things that I love about your brand, Alana, is that you're talking a lot about mindful drinking. And in this culture of demonizing wine and alcohol and this movement toward plants, which none of us are against here, per se, um, how do you think about, like, the idea – we've talked about this a lot – the idea of wellness and wine. Mm -hmm. And like the idea that you can still be healthy and take care of yourself, but be like a wine drinker, which is going to make me feel better about myself. So of course, <laughs> go for it. let's just make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Um, well, I got my, I was in wellness my whole career. So it, I think it kind of comes naturally to me. And what's interesting is when we started making wine, I started drinking less <laughs> because I started to really appreciate the wine that I was drinking. And it wasn't just to, you know, I mean, obviously I'm in my forties now, but 
as a 20 something year old, I didn't care what the hell it was. Right. But as you progress and your palate progresses or just your love of small batch producers for me, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I'm not a snob in terms of like where the wine is made or what kind it is. It's more for, I'm like a small batch snob now. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is because there's so much effort and care and thoughtfulness mm. put into every step, the sourcing, the making, the producing, the bottling, the packaging, the messaging. And so for me, when I'm drinking a small batch producer of mine or someone else's, it's really become a ritual. And, um, and when I'm making dinner at night or, um, when my lovely husband takes me over to the park so I can have a minute, mm-hmm. it's like pouring. I, I mean, I literally. The average are getting out of our boat. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, yeah. six year old. Six year old. Take the to the park. It's half and half. <laughs> That's negotiable. Um, but anyway, my pour is really small. I mean, I've had tonight already what I usually have all night long. I mean, tonight we're going to party a little bit. But like for me, it's a ritual. So I think wine can absolute is absolutely a form of self-care if that's the way you treat it. It's yeah. a moment to slow down, take a breath. Be, and it actually brings me into the present and into my mm. body. Because you're you're using your your senses, senses. it's a very sensorial experience, right? So I talk a lot about this on our page at TribecaWineCo.com or at TribecaWineCo <laughs> on Instagram. Um, yeah, um, but it's for me, it really is, and I think for a lot of people, and I think that's the way it should be, right? Yeah. Because wine is meant to be enjoyed as so. a moment. It's not meant to be chugged, right? It's meant to be really. Um, uh, Savor. Savor. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I think that. in this form, it, it is a version of art. That's the bit that makes mm-hmm. it fascinating to me, mm-hmm. is that it is so different. And I think with the small batch, it, there's a lot of love in it and a lot of mm-hmm. care and attention. And that ends up delivering a little piece of art. Where, you know, you might mm-hmm. like one slightly better than the other, but it's mm-hmm. still something very special, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure beer lovers would say there's an element to that yeah. as well in, yeah. in creating sure. beer and other things, but I feel like it really comes through in wine. Yeah, I think wine, because it's there's so many people that involved to make it the wine. It's not, you yeah. know, yeah. you're not buying dried or hops and doing it in the, in the brewery, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you got to go back to the farming and then go yeah. back to the guy transporting in the grapes and then all the process that go on the winery and, and the then, sun and the moon and the rain. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot going on. And if the you, hands, I mean, Matt literally like his hands, our son's little feet are yeah. in this wine, yeah. like foot treading it and loving it. And not the Leonard Street. That's not Leonard <laughs> Street. But anyway, <laughs> it is a lot of love. And I, and I mean, I'm a hippie. I know Esther's totally with me on this, right? <laughs> Esther, like yeah. energy is everything. So <laughs> it's like the wine, energy wine is of like wine. grounding for your soul. Yeah. I know it comes from New York, so it's like instead of putting your feet in the dirt, you put Thank you, my New Yorker husband. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from. On that note, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, any other thoughts or questions from the East Coast this evening? I mean, I don't even know if this is a a a, que- a real answer to my the question I have will be possible. Can you identify a small batch on a menu? How would I find... Wine. Well, I, I think the best when we go back to the menu thing, it depends on the restaurant. If there's a psalm there, a sommelier, I think. I need honestly, help. That's what you're saying. That. Yeah. Yeah, them up. That's what they're there for. But like, that's a really good, I think them. that's a good question because like, I I feel like the perception on psalms is like they're going to try and sell you something expensive or like complicated. And like, what is the question to ask the psalms? 
that's going to give you like what you want? Is it literally like, what's the small batch? I would say in the region you're in, right? Like I would say if I'm in New York, I want to know like, who's the smallest producer on Long Island making the most beautiful rosé? Like, or who, do you have any small batch producers in New York on your menu? Or if I'm in California, do you have, or same thing in Italy, like who's your, who's your smallest winemaker yeah. on your menu? Your local. Um, yeah. Uh, because yeah, I think that's where you're going to get the most interesting experience, honestly. And I think also it's a very respectable question that yeah. they would be happy to answer. Yeah. They like to flex. So, I mean, you know, the more <laughs> questions you ask them, the better it is. I mean, it's literally their job to talk about wine. So if and they're if not talking about wine, then they're not yeah. doing their job. And if it's a nice restaurant, a nicer restaurant and they don't have a song, I mean, you're, or you don't, or the song's not available or whatever, the, your, your server should be able to help you too. You don't or ask the bartender. Yeah, or the bartender. You guys have a crystalline to accompany your wine. <laughs> That's oh, a good idea. A what? A crystalline. That's a good idea. A oh, a crystalline. Alana's is very into crystals. So. Our, our other friend has a. Do you mean crystal as in glassware <laughs> or crystals? Like crystal, no. like. I mean, as in the stones crystals. and rocks and pebbles that Eileen collects. Esther, <laughs> who is this oh, person that I'm speaking to? Eileen, I'm a Twitter collect. Um, our, our, our friend Nancy of Uyoa Cellars, U-L-L-O-A, out of Paso Robles, is an insane winemaker, and she has got the lock on the crystal gig. So we're not gonna um, we're not gonna step on her toes. But I um, we do crystal- these crystals every once in a while on the barrels. So yeah. I mean, really, yeah, it gives a little bit of the good luck energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever the protection. Wow. There you go. Yes. Look at that. Whatever you can do, dances or whatever, it's, it all helps. Energy infused. Energy, and we, energy infused wine. A little we love play. inside the winery. We, play, well, we, play, we actually play a lot of jazz. You tell the Psalms that you put crystals on the back. Well, not, normally at early in the morning it starts with Coltrane. Oh, this is good. This is actually good. Yeah. Usually one of like the early mornings is Coltrane, and then it transitions usually to Wu-Tang. So those two things and everything in between kind of gets played but it's Wu-Tang every day and Coltrane every day that's the rule and we do everything on vinyl so it's like we have vinyl records playing so you have the real energy going to the wall I support this Eileen and I were just on a on two separate business trips in the same location and she invited me to a party where Wu-Tang was performing and I was like are we still doing uh-huh. this now, if I can get to perform live, we have to get making a wine. We got to get Wu Tang. This is Wu Tang. Wu Tang, if you're listening, <laughs> come make wine with us. This harvest. This is Wu Tang infused wine. <laughs> make a Shaolin Sauvignon Blanc. Those tannins? No, they're Wu Tannins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, love it. Ah. Mic drop. Yes. All right, well, on that note, Mitsan and I are going to uh, get back to our, he's going to go downstairs and lock himself in his uh, office and play video games. I'm going to watch a movie because we have earned it after three days. Yes. Oh, uh, trip. Two families, five children. It's a wrap. <clears throat> we went to Hunter. It was lovely, but I'm, I'm really, I can't even drink wine or I will just lay under my desk and go to bed. So <laughs> <laughs> you were at a brewery. Oh, so much. We went right, to the so- last night, and the men got a little—they went too After far. So, time for bed. But you guys enjoy your Saturday night. Be Thank like you. the fancy wine drinkers that you are. Enjoy and cheers, and we will. Um, before we close, one thing: follow at Tribeca yes. Wine Co. on Instagram. The price point is legit, and you can buy it. 
from TribecaWineCo.com. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest everyone who's like trying to figure out wine and small batch and gruners and all the things we just talked about, go buy the three pack, the six pack on their website because you can literally get it delivered right to their door. Very affordable. And we have a fun multi, so it's always seasonal. So like the multi right now is going to be more wintry, but in a couple weeks we're going to have our new spring collection. So depending on if you're more reds heavy, whites heavy, we have all different kinds of options. Yes, yes. I've been poking around on it and the pager content is beautiful. So something to drink, something to look at, at Tribeca Wine Co. At Tribeca Wine Co. Thank you so much for coming to chat with us and for the wine. And for the double date. The triple date.